I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the, the Arts, and your host for today. Joining me in the studio is the Executive Director of the Grand Opera House, Mark Fields. Welcome, Mark. Hello, Paul. Glad to be with you. So glad to have you join us. You're not new to the studio, but you have a new season coming up at the the Grand, the Baby Grand, and the Playhouse, uh, which I'd love for us to explore over the, the next 20 minutes and also talk about some of the uh, great work that the Grand is doing uh, in the greater uh, Wilmington area, uh, which is really impacting the arts uh, statewide. Um, but I, I want to start with with the theme that you have presented on your homepage, which which I just love, and that is find your grand experience. Now I know that you've been working hard on on uh, presenting the grand as as the community's organization. So this is an opportunity for uh, Delawareans to be proactive in in seeking out their experience. And there's so much that you're offering this year. So, so let's get into that uh, between the, the grand, the baby grand, and the playhouse. Uh, what, what's coming up? Well, I'm glad you touched on find your grand experience because I think that is, as you've noted, a, a, a resonant phrase. Uh, and I think it works in a lot of different ways. One, you know, since uh, 2015, we now have three venues that we're operating, not just Copeland Hall, uh, what has traditionally been known as the Grand Opera House, but the Baby Grand next door. And, and for the last several years, we've also been operating the Playhouse on Rodney Square, which was once called the DuPont Theater and before that was called the Playhouse. So there are a lot of different ways that people can experience the Grand. Um, and I think uh, you've also touched on just the tremendous variety of programming that we offer. Uh, everything from comedy to, to family programs to classic rock to uh, uh, Spanish dance. I, you know, there's a little bit of everything in the upcoming season. And part of what we're trying to accomplish with that is that everybody in the community can find an artistic home at the Grand with some of the programming that, that we offer. I... I Failed to mention earlier, and I, I had it in the back of my mind, you, you mentioned a, a few of the genre. On your website, where you can select, uh, there are ways to sort through uh, y- your, your opportunities, which I think is great. That whole notion of, I'm going to curate my experience. I'm going to, I'm going to select what I want to see. And, and your website allows uh, the, the user to search by the venue, and by the genre and the list I counted, the list exceeded 30. I think it was 33 or 34 different genre that I could select from between the three venues over the course of the year. Yeah, we have that kind of variety. And I'm glad you touched on the curation piece, too, because I think that's an important part of how we've tried to position the grand and its programming in all of our venues in the community's mind. There, there is, still exists, and there was for many years, a kind of a more traditional performing arts model where the, the Performing Arts Center itself decided what the community ought to see. And there was a balance of all kinds of different programs and, and uh, introduced the community to uh, a lot of different artists that they may not be familiar with. And that worked for a long time, but we have found for a number of years that, you know, the the... The consuming audience, the arts consuming audience, is much more sophisticated than it used 
to be is much more savvy. They have much more exposure to a variety of artists, whether it's through you know, uh, YouTube or DVDs or streaming media on their television. And so they don't really need to be curated to to the degree that they might have needed to be 25 or 30 years ago. And beyond the, the lack of need, they don't want to be curated to. They want to p- go to what they want to see. And so that's how we try to structure the season at the Grand. And we're always testing that and trying new disciplines, trying new artists within a discipline. You know, it's a it's a very plastic kind of classification because there are artists that can fit in more than one category. And so we we offer this variety and we test it and we see what works with the community. And if it's something they like, we bring more of that back and we bring those same artists back if we can. If it's something that there's not a lot of interest in, then we move on. And uh, so we really consider ourselves patron curated rather than institutionally curated. Now, I... When as as you put together your season, I know uh, early on you have a sort of a, a rollout uh, of of you know an introduction. Okay, here's here's what's coming up this season, but that's not the final list. Oh no, no, not by any means. And in fact, that initial rollout even is changing. the The business is changing so quickly. Uh, being driven by the collapse of the recording industry and by the rising importance both of of television with the billions of channels that you have to pick from and, and also uh, the prevalence of streaming media and social media. Uh, and all of that has made our job more challenging. I won't say difficult, but challenging. Artists can go from obscurity to being well-known in the space of weeks and sometimes even days if a viral video hits and and all the sudden people start watching it. And so it has changed the programming cycle that we work under. We try to announce as much as possible of a season in the spring for the coming fall through the subsequent spring as we can. But this year we announced less than 40 shows in May, but we're already up to 55 or 60 at this point. We keep adding additional shows as artists decide that they're going to go on tour or we discover somebody that we didn't know about back in, in April or May. And so it, it, it's a challenge for us. It's a challenge for our audience, but it's kind of an exciting challenge because every time you go to our website, it's like, oh, when did that happen? Mm-hmm. Oh, they added another <laughs> artist. I mean, we announced the Beach Boys in uh, August. We announced Sarah McLaughlin in August. Uh, we will announce more shows probably every month until we get to, to, to next May because uh, they're available and we've got an empty theater. And to that end, I know that I'm on your mailing list, but for our listeners, as you add shows, I just got a, a, a notification the other day of, of a new uh, a new act, that, a performance that's coming to, I believe, Copeland Hall. How do people get that information from you? Sure. Well, you can just go to our website, which is thegrandwilmington.org, and uh, sign up for our email list, and then you get notifications. Uh, we have a, a, a special level of benefits for our donors who support us and, and keep us uh, vibrant and healthy, and but... Every show that we have, we announce to our audience through email, and sometimes it gets covered in the media. And But uh, we have a pretty big reach when it comes to social media, so that's the way to do it. Sign up on the email list. 
Now, having as you're scheduling these performances throughout the year, uh, and you have three venues now that you're managing, um, what challenge challenges does that present uh, for you, and and what uh, advantages does that prevent for you having three venues? Uh, to, to consider? Well, there absolutely are opportunities, Paul, because of that. Uh, the, the Copeland Hall and the Playhouse both are in the 1,200 seat range. Copeland Hall is just over 1,200. The Playhouse is 1,250. Those are not big theaters in the scheme of things when you come to uh, presenting houses nationally and even the ones that we compete with in Philadelphia and Baltimore and beyond. Uh, what we do have as an advantage is that we're on the way to a lot of places. You know, many artists are based in New York or operate for part of the year out of New York, and we're a couple of hours from New York. And so the fact that we have multiple theaters now in that 1,200-seat range doubles the chances that we have a night that's available when an artist is on tour and they have a hole in their schedule. We don't get selected generally for the major stops on a, on a, on a tour because we only have the limited number of seats. Now, we look at that as, as an advantage for our audiences because it's an incredible experience to see somebody like Sarah McLaughlin, who's coming up later this month, or George Thorogood in October in a theater that seats 1,200. It's an amazing experience, both for the audience and for the artist. But it doesn't make us really competitive. And so by having multiple venues available, we increase our chances that we can pick up a, a, a isolated date on a tour. Mm -hmm. Now, with, with the range of genre, uh, I'm, I'm curious, and you talked about sort of the evolution of the traditional performing arts center model, and, and now you're integrating 30-plus genre uh, there are, there is that notion, and it's a false notion that only high art or is of high quality. Uh, could you speak to how you sort of uh, look for quality across the genre? Sure. Well, we have a programming department. Steve Bailey has been our programmer for almost twenty years now. He has an assistant. Uh, uh, Pam Minocchio does a lot of our programming for uh, families and for children. I have a hand in it, too. And and between the four of us, five of us, we spend a lot of time uh, researching artists. We pay attention to what's going on in in trade publications, to what's going on on, in, on social media and on the Internet. And, and we're always finding new artists. One of the things that we have encouraged a great deal in the last 10, 12 years is we ask our audiences to identify artists that they like, that mm -hmm. they have discovered. Mm -hmm. And some of those suggestions can end up being impractical. We're not going to put a huge artist like the Rolling Stones is not going to play a 1,200-seat <laughs> venue as much as we all might like that to happen. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, they discover somebody that we haven't heard of. We start researching them. We follow their career. We see how they're, what kinds of venues they're playing in other markets and, and what kind of response there is, and, and we, we track those artists. We're probably paying attention to... 70, 80, 100 artists at any given time just to see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I want to uh, pursue a, a few other directions with you, uh, but first remind our listeners that we are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is Mark Fields, the executive director of the Grand Opera House in Wilmington. 
Mark, we've been talking a lot about the um, the programming uh, coming up at the in Copeland Hall, the Baby Grand, and the Playhouse. Um, but uh, I I want to turn for a for a minute or for a few minutes, if we can, to uh, the, the grants expanding outreach. Uh, that more and more you are less and less confined to the the walls of your facilities. Could you uh, speak to uh, the grants' uh, really mission in expanding its outreach? Sure. I'd be happy to, Paul. Uh, Our biggest program that we do in the area that we call community engagement, and we look at it and and we have chosen that term very carefully because this is more than just outreach, which is kind of one-sided. You know, community engagement is, is a dialogue between us and the community. And we have a number of programs there in our community engagement department. Uh, one is Stages of Discovery, which is our school matinee program. Mm-hmm. Last year, we reached about 25,000 students through that program. Uh, we've got 16 productions coming up this year, everything from PK to up to eighth grade. And we uh, program that series so that it connects with the core curriculum standards in literature and history and civics, science and social development. And it's a really wonderful opportunity to uh, use a, a different perspective to, to, to teach uh, and also at the same time to expose children to the arts. We have our Summer Explorers program, which has been going on for more than 20 years now. We, uh, we brought 3,000 people to it this summer. It's a variety of local uh, theater companies, even uh, local children and, and regional groups, and it's often an introduction for, for many in, in community centers and in uh, daycares and, and homeschoolers to uh, be exposed to the arts. And that program is uh, pay what you can. Uh, so that's an, another way that we're serving the community. This summer was the sixth summer for Summer in the Parks, which is a program that we do in collaboration with the city of Wilmington, where we take artists out uh, out of our walls and the walls of our colleague arts organizations and into neighborhood parks. This year, we had over 2,500 uh, participants in that program, involved 30 artists, uh, art- artistic groups, and another 90 individual artists. So... There, we're not just interacting with the community, but we're interacting uh, with our arts colleagues, and that's a, a really terrific program. And and then just this last year, we launched a brand new program that is getting a, a lot of attention, and we've gotten a lot of uh, acclaim from grantors and and uh, and community groups. Uh, we call our sensory friendly series, and these are programs that are uh, designed for. Uh, primarily children and and young adults that are somewhere on the autism spectrum or that have some other sort of sensory disability. And we are working with artists who are trained in this. We've actually gotten training ourselves, and it's a way to uh, open the world of of artistic expression to, uh, to individuals who may have struggles being in a public setting or paying attention to a to a, a, a full-length production or something. And uh, it's been a wonderful program. We did it as a pilot last year. We're bringing it back full force next year, and we're very pleased that uh, our work in this regard was uh, supported with a, a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, g- great commendation, because grant uh, direct grants from the National Endowment for the Arts are highly competitive. Absolutely. So, so kudos to you on that. Uh, you, you referenced it in the talking about summer arts in the parks. 
could you speak to uh, what you've seen happening with the arts community in terms of its collaborating and and uh, uh, coming together and work working more closely? Well, that's absolutely going on. It's always been going on, but I th- I think with every year we're reaching a new level of of collaboration and, and partnership among uh, our organizations. Uh, arts is by its very nature collaborative. A cast or a, a musical ensemble or a dance company are all collaborators. You you have to trust one another. You have to work together. You have to pay attention to what other people are doing. And so it shouldn't be any surprise at all that arts organizations also are very good at partnering. And in fact, uh, the Grand has made partnering a, a big part of our mission and uh, we counted them up a couple of years ago and 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 two seasons ago we had 70 active partnerships in the context of the year with different organizations not just in the arts but in uh, social service sector and in, in government in in uh, corporations and all sorts of things and and uh, although that's a pretty high number and we're pretty pleased with that there are a lot of organizations that are doing a high degree of of partnering and and what you find is you you reach different audiences when you do that. You have a deeper, richer experience for the the performers and even the people who are involved planning it by having new ideas and new energy and and a, a different perspective on how you do things. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I, I, I want to change directions a little bit here. It's not unrelated. Uh, it, it has to do with your involvement in the community. Uh, the Grand has been an anchor on Market Street f- for decades now. When, 147 when, years, as a matter of fact. 147 years, <laughs> and it was renovated and reopened. In the 1970s. 1970s. Uh, but since then, Market Street, downtown Wilmington, has undergone some uh, dramatic changes. Could you uh, sort of speak, in, in the last few minutes we have, speak to sort of the Grand's experience in that and, and what you've seen happening uh, with uh, downtown Wilmington? Oh, it's very exciting. Uh a lot of people have put a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of resources into this over a number of years. And uh, we have new restaurants that are opening on a regular basis downtown now. We have uh, new apartment buildings. The, the Camores building, formerly the home of DuPont, is undergoing a major renovation that should be done by the end of this year. Uh, there's an exciting new restaurant concept that's going to be a, a, a part of that called a food hall. We've got Chelsea Plaza right across the street from the Grand, which will be opening soon to take people. It connects Shipley and, and Market Street with this uh, landscaped and, and uh, hardscaped uh, plaza experience and outdoor dining. It, it's really terrific. It, it's exciting. I live downtown now and, and walk back and forth to work, and sometimes it feels like every day when I walk down up and down Market Street, something new is opening, or somebody's working on a on a building that had been abandoned. and And what you see more than anything are are people on the streets at all hours of the of the day and night because they live there, they play there, they work there, and it, it's really pretty exciting to see. It's it's been a long time coming. It's been a a struggle for decades to get Wilmington to this place again. It was a very vibrant area downtown Wilmington years and years ago, and it's been a long time, and, and it's gratifying to be a part of that. Could, could you speak to um, what you hear from the local merchants about uh, the, the nights that you have performances oh. or the Queen has something going? Sure. Or? 
Well, uh, downtown Wilmington is a pretty compact place, and so when you bring 1,200 people to a show, a sold-out show at the Grand, it has a real impact mm-hmm. on on the whole uh, streetscape. When you bring 1,200 people to the to the Copeland Hall, 1,200 people to the Playhouse, 300 people to the Baby Grand, and there are 800 people down the street at, at the Queen, the feeling on Market Street is electric. The The restaurants are packed and overflowing. There are people walking up and down the streets, and there are people who are coming downtown who haven't been there for a while, and they're going, this place is really terrific. Look at all of these apartments. Look at all of these businesses. Look at these wonderful historic buildings. And we're changing minds, and that's exactly what uh, what needs to happen, what we've been working on at the Grand for a long time, and we're uh, very grateful for all of the partners that we have in that project. Now, we've got about a minute left, so any comments uh, in regards to uh, what's happening with the vitality of the arts and what's happening now with, with all of the new residential space that's being uh, developed in Wilmington? Well, we have people living downtown now, and that's really important. Uh, downtown has never been as dangerous as it has been perceived to be. But what it had been for many years was kind of empty, uh, except on nights that something was going on at the Grand or the, or the Playhouse. And now there are nights where there are things going on in all of our venues and things going on elsewhere. And people who are coming to these restaurants as destinations, not as a place to stop before they go to a show. And that has changed the energy on the street. And, and vitality is a great word for it because that's exactly what we're seeing is that kind of of vibrance. And and this shouldn't be a surprise. The arts have been a catalyst for vibrant downtowns across the country. And and I'm not aware of any city in, in the country that has revitalized without having the arts at the center of it. And, mm-hmm. and so we're a great uh, case study for that. Yeah. Well, Mark Fields, thank you so much for joining us today, talking about the Grand. And quickly, your website for our listeners. Yeah, we didn't really talk about shows very much, but you can find them all on thegrandwilmington.org. And as you noted, you can sort it any way you want to and find out what we've got coming up. Great, Mark. Thanks.